in the scripture reading today, it is the week that we call holy, and Jesus is in Jerusalem. Having spent the past few days uh, teaching uh, and fending off verbal attacks by religious leaders, Jesus takes a break and indulges in some people watching. While his disciples gawk at the majesty of the Jerusalem temple buildings, Jesus sits quietly observing the stream of worshipers who place their offerings in the chests provided for that purpose. The wealthy worshipers make a great show of placing their large offering in these trumpet-shaped containers. It is a poor woman, a widow, who catches Jesus' eye. He watches as she carefully places two copper coins in the container, then turns to his disciples and points her out. See that widow, he tells them, she's put in more than anyone else today. They stare at him, puzzled, as well they might be, for the two copper coins that the woman offered were vir worth virtually nothing. All of the others, Jesus told them, gave out of the abundance of their wealth, but this woman, this woman gave out of her poverty. She put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. It's a great text for a stewardship Sunday, isn't it? It is. Except that using this text to encourage you to give more to our church would do this woman and our Lord a disservice. As biblical scholars through the centuries have learned, it is hard to tell exactly why Jesus pointed out this woman to his disciples. Does he admire her? Is he concerned for her? What is Jesus trying to tell his disciples and us? As it happens, over the years, two uh, prevailing ways of um, interpreting the story have prevailed. The first one is what you might expect, that Jesus is praising this unnamed woman as a model of generosity. In his day, women who were widowed were among those at the bottom of the social ladder. Without a male relative to provide for them, they were often poor, even destitute. This widow's offering this is a, then is an incredible sample of giving, not from one's excesses, but from the very resources on which one has to live. Though her gift was insignificant compared to that of other worshipers, the sacrifice that it represented made it all the more valuable. Truly, this widow does offer us an inspiring example of stewardship. But let's be honest here. Though her story may inspire some of us to give a little more, None of us are ready to give everything that we have to the church, nor should we. God does not expect us to give so much that we neglect our needs and the needs of our families. While our stewardship team certainly hopes that all of us find in our hearts to support the church's ministries and missions generously, no one expects or even advocates the kind of sacrifice this widow appears to demonstrate. Which leads me to the second interpretation that is often given to this story. You may have noticed that today's reading began with Jesus warning his disciples about the corruption of the scribes, teachers of the law who joined with other religious authorities to oppose Jesus and who sought to destroy him. Jesus condemns the scribes for their hypocrisy and greed, greed that leads them to exploit the poor 
They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers, he says about them. Given the statement, it's quite possible that Jesus was not elevating this woman as an example at all, and indeed there are no words of praise in his statement about her generosity. Instead, his words may be those of dismay. He knows how desperate her situation is. No husband, no social status, no pension, no social security, no safety net at all. And he laments the unjust system that encourages sacrificial giving even in the face of such poverty. As D. Mark David notes, this widow is in effect giving all that she has and is abetting a system that will take all that she has. Her means of practicing her piety is at the same time supporting a system that is devoid of justice and will in turn exploit her. Instead of asking her to give, the temple authorities should be reaching out to care for her. Still, it does seem as though Jesus is lifting up this widow in some way, victim as she is. In some way, her gift has more merit in his eyes than the gift of others. In some way, she matters to him. So perhaps there is a third way to read this passage. Perhaps the point of this passage is not to set before us an example of generous giving or to call us to work against systems that exploit the poor, though both of those interpretations are valid and helpful. Perhaps the point of this story is that Jesus notices this widow, that he pays attention to her. Remembering Jesus is watching the crowd, a huge group of people putting money in the offering boxes. This woman is just one among many, and her gift of two coins is meaningless compared to that of others. And yet, Jesus notices her. Though she was essentially invisible to the people around her, Jesus sees her, really sees her, and he cares about her. He understands who she is and what she faces, and he sees her as a person, a child of God who is worthy of his attention and of that of his disciples. Look at that woman, he tells them. Look at her and see her for who she is. A widow, yes, poor, yes, but also a beloved child of God. All too often, we fail to notice others. The people who pass us by on the street or who stand in the grocery line with us. The people who clean our hotel rooms or wash our cars or pick our crops. And when we fail to see them, when we really fail to see them, to really see them, that is, it's all too easy for us to fear or despise them to see them as less than human and even to villainize them. That's something that's been happening in our country all too much lately with sometimes terrible consequences as we've seen in the shootings at the Tree of Life Synagogue and closer to home at the borderline bar and grill in Thousand Oaks. By contrast, when we notice others, when we really see them, God can use us to make a difference in their lives and they in ours. In his book, Why, 
which the Wednesday study group is reading right now, Adam Hamilton tells this story, and I want to share it with you. He writes, It was almost 9 p.m. when I was leaving my office one night. As I walked out the door, I thought I heard someone say, Hi, Pastor Adam. I turned, and there was a woman down the hall. I said, Hi, it's good to see you. Have a great night. And I turned back and walked out the door. As I did this, this thought crossed my mind. Did you even see her? Go back and this time see her. I've come to recognize these thoughts as the way God often speaks to me. I stopped, turned around, and walked back into the building. The woman was still standing there, and I could tell she had been crying. I said, I'm so sorry. I thought you were just saying hello. I didn't notice you were crying. I approached her and asked what was wrong. She told me that she had been sitting outside in our memorial garden. Our church has an interior courtyard with engraved pavers where people can memorialize their loved ones. And have, they also have niches for internment of the ashes. Her child had dry, died the previous year and she'd been sitting outside in the dark praying and weeping. She said, I'd been praying that God would give me a sign that my son is okay and at that moment you walked past in the garden. I thought you were my sign. I told her, as I was walking away from the building, I felt the Spirit nudge me to come back to see you. We went to the memorial garden to where her son's paver is located, and I asked her to tell me about her son. We sat on the ground, and she told me her son's story. Then we talked about the promise of Scripture and the hope we have in Jesus Christ, and then we prayed together. When I left, she wasn't crying anymore. She felt that God had heard her prayers and that her child was with God. I left feeling that I had been part of something that God was doing, grateful that I had not ignored the Spirit's nudging. This widow's story is a call for us to see people as Jesus did, to look at others and recognize them not only as our fellow human beings, but also as children of God, worthy of our regard, our respect, and our care, and to do so not out of guilt, but out of gratitude in the one who truly sees us and calls us beloved. And there's still another way we might interpret this story. Listen again to what Jesus says about this woman. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. In Greek, that last phrase reads like this. But she, out of her poverty, has put in, all she, in everything she had, her whole life. Her whole life. That may have been true in a very real sense, for if those coins were indeed the last of this woman's resources, then she may indeed have been facing death. And yet she gave. While others gave out of their abundant wealth, she gave all that she had her whole life out of a heart filled with abundant faith and trust in God's mercy and grace. Ultimately, it was not the size of her gifts that mattered, but the manner in which it was given. With the giving of her last coins, this woman becomes a Christ-like figure. 
For like her, Jesus at that point has given and will give everything he has, even his whole life to God. I'm reminded of Paul's words in the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he is rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Like the widow at the temple, Jesus gives all that he has and all that he is to God's service out of a heart that is abundant, rich in faith and love. The King James Version of the widow's gift of coins describes them as two mites. We've all heard of that term, the widow's mite. And that's the term given to two small uh, copper coins in England in the 16th century. Such a little insignificant word, such an insignificant amount. And yet, I hope that we will pray that we, like the widow, will dare to offer all of our mites all of those things that seem so insignificant to us but matter so much to God, that we will offer them to God's service with abundant hearts, overflowing with love and faith in the one who gave his all and who always notices us, calling us beloved. May it be so. Amen.